0: Amy Carroll.
1: Welcome, everyone, to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. As a communication coach, trainer, speaker, and author, I am delighted to be your host and excited to bring you insights and ideas to help you so- solve your communication conundrums. This is the 24th episode of my show, Partner Up with Amy Carroll. If you want to find out more about me, what the show's about, feel free to listen to previous episodes on my website, carolcoaching.com or the voiceamerica.com business channel. Be sure to download the app. And of course, you can always check it out on your favorite app for listening to podcasts. If you missed last week's show, I shared interviews with several of my past clients and concrete steps they took to improve their confidence. I also talked about a three-step process for building and boosting your confidence in 2021 and beyond. Today, my guest is Dr. Heather Kansley. Welcome, Heather.
2: Thank you, Amy. Delighted to be here with you.
1: Super. Now, Heather, I describe you as a mover and a shaker, and I want to give the listeners some of your background so they can see why that description is so appropriate. Thanks, Amy. (laughs) Heather is an affiliate professor at IMD, which is a world-renowned business school in Lausanne, Switzerland. An experienced leadership development professional, Heather works Heather's work encompasses the design and delivery of executive learning, research into leadership and organizational development, and group facilitation and executive coaching. Heather's research focuses on the development of self-awareness and creating inclusive communication. I just love that expression, inclusive communication. She's designed and run programs for senior executives and management teams at top European and U.S. business schools as a group consultant, as an individual coach, and an adjunct faculty. She coaches leaders in multinationals and NGOs. Heather's work has encompassed research, design, and delivery of learning, along with the management and growth of strategic businesses. Her research and program designs have won awards for innovation and for impact. Heather initiated industry standards in management education. As a team and individual coach, Heather partners with senior executives to illuminate the assumptions by which people think and act. We're going to be getting into that today. Her 2017 PhD thesis on how leaders make meaning through metaphor won the Surrey University Researcher of the Year Award in 2017 and the prestigious Emerald EFMD Award for outstanding doctoral research in 2018 for leadership and organizational development. She's written and presented globally on leadership development, intercultural awareness, organizational learning, coaching, mental models, and women in leadership. Now, in her loads of free time, (laughs) Heather volunteers as president of BPW, which is the business professional women Lake Geneva in Switzerland, and it's part of an original association created 90 years ago in Geneva advocating for women's equality and development. Today, BPW has consultative status with the UN and has 30,000 members on all continents. As a dedicated mother and sports enthusiast, she also volunteers as an umpire in a local netball club for girls near her home. Now, Heather, I've got to ask you to explain precisely what netball is, because I'm not sure Americans are as familiar with this sport. How would you describe it?
2: Sure, Amy. Netball is like the bas- basketball without the bouncing. The so,
1: basketball without the bouncing. Absolutely. Uh-huh.
2: Basketball without the bouncing. So it's played in teams of seven players. And the goal is to sh- score as many nets or as many goals as possible. Um, and each player has a set place on the court. So it's a fantastic sport, for, particularly for young girls and women. It's one of the fastest growing team sports for women in the world.
1: Wow. That's cool. Maybe sometime you and I can um, plan to go. I'd love to come and watch it because I, I think I'd like to see it in action. And it's also inspiring to know you wouldn't have to dribble a ball. That could be a sport I might be (laughs) capable of doing. Now, today, we're going to be talking about how to make your partner look good through an innovative way of understanding yourself and others through using metaphors and clean language. Heather, let's start by you telling us what it is about metaphors and language that lights you up.
2: Oh, Amy, what a lovely question to start with. Metaphors. Metaphors. They are the way we think, the way we make sense of the world, and the way we can make people laugh or cry. Want an Mm -hmm. example? Please, yeah. I'm going to make an example about you, Amy. Okay, go for it. Metaphorical example. So if I say, Amy, you are the sunshine of radio, (laughs) with your (laughs) cheerful, positive tone shining (laughs) rays of light on interesting topics. How do you feel?
1: Like a rock star.
2: Absolutely, as you should. And all of that is absolutely true.
1: Oh, well, well, that's convenient.
2: Great. And what I said was sunshine. That's mm. a metaphor. You're not really the sunshine. Um, your Your positive tone that mm. shines rays of light, then those are all metaphors. They're not you're not really that. Those are th- using examples from the concrete world to describe you in, in a more abstract way. Okay. Let me make you cry. That made you laugh. Let <laughs> okay. me you the opposite. I'm ready. This will actually show you um, how the importance of choosing the metaphors is really vital. Mm-hmm. If I say, Amy, you're the dustbin of radio, <laughs> holding all the scraps that people throw away.
1: How does Yikes. that make you feel? Oh, like I should find something else to do.
2: <laughs> yeah, pretty different, huh? So yeah. I know Amy is the sunshine of radio, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation with you to shine some light on metaphors and how we use them. Excellent.
1: Excellent. And I'm curious to know what, you know, is some of the, what are the biggest problems with communication? You know, for me, I, I think of, um, is it George Bernard Shaw, mm-hmm. whose famous quote, the biggest problem with communication is the illusion that it's taken place.
2: Absolutely. One of my favorite quotes is that is that quote, the illusion that it has taken place. Language is what we use every day. To use a metaphor, we swim in language every day. But actually that's part of the problem. It's so fundamental to how we live, how we make sense of the world, that we often don't see how we're using language. And if you think about the costs of poor communication and poor choice of language, it costs companies millions of dollars, uh, leads to bad morale, poor morale, and even missed performance. On a personal level, poor communication, poor use of language creates unnecessary misunderstandings and disagreements. The opposite is thankfully also true. Mm. Great communication creates relationships, builds trust and inspires action. And of course, you know this, Amy, because the model you teach of partner, predator and prey is so helpful in getting people to understand how to get into a productive and choiceful state communicate with purpose.
1: Mm-hmm. I like how you say that, a choiceful state. And I think another benefit I think of is the idea of um, developing our emotional intelligence through the way we communicate.
2: Absolutely. And I think the, the idea that we always have a choice when we're about to choose a word, are we choosing it with care? Are we? What is the impact that that word is going to have? And particularly metaphors, they have a very strong impact. That's a metaphor, an impact hmm. on other people.
1: Wow, the, the metaphors are everywhere.
2: They certainly are.
1: So can you share something of your story which has brought you to your interest in metaphor and language?
2: Yes, of course. And... As I do so, may I ask you and the listeners to think about their first experience of being a leader? How old were you?
1: Okay, so you're not what talking was the
2: first, What was the n- like experience? official,
1: like it, it could be at any age.
2: Any age. You I'll share yourself. my story, but as I do so, perhaps the listeners can think about their first experience of being a leader. Okay. So today I'm a professor and researcher, and I'm focused on... Developing Leadership and Communication. When I think about my own story, I realize that I've been curious about these two topics and how they're connected since I was a little girl. Let me share two examples with you. Okay. At the age of seven, my mother suggested that I join the Brownies, which is the British version of the Girl Scouts.
1: Well, and we even have, we have the Brownies, that's the pre-Girl Scouts, so we get Brownies too.
2: You get Brownies too. Yeah, I get that. Okay, so and she said to me, Heather, this is part of life's rich tapestry. Notice the metaphor? Oh, yeah. If I get the thread, I can, I can weave it into my tapestry of life. So I joined the Brownies, and in that, in that experience, I became the leader of our small group, our small patrol, which was called the Imps. <laughs> and I could not really understand why I was elected to be in that role of leader. Of course, I didn't give it much thought. I was curious, why me? But mainly what I loved was the camaraderie and the stories around the campfire and the learning and the giving of service to others. And in many ways, I'm still that brownie leader, carrying the values of doing my best, being of service and um, being true to myself. And as you say, that's, that's clear with the netball volunteering that I do. That was story number one, where I was asked to be a leader, but not really understanding why. Mm -hmm. The second example, about seven years later, when I was about 15, I became a swimming instructor at the British Army Swimming Pool. For three years, I taught children to swim, a fantastic job, which I adored, and it taught me the power of communication. I had to be crystal clear in my communication and my instructions, not only the words I used, but the tone to encourage pe- little children to stay afloat and learn to swim. Skills yeah, that-, that potentially one day save their life. Right, right. Now, I credit both of these experiences entirely to my mother, Barbara Cairns. Mm-hmm. She was crystal clear that all her children had to learn to swim, as this might one day save our life. Of course, the fact that she loved the water and was a water baby, note the metaphor, was also important. But the message to us was learn to swim. It might save your life.
1: Uh-huh. And if I go back to the, what she used to describe the brownie, she said that's part of the rich tapestry of life. That's a, she set you up for success. Absolutely. She didn't say it's the drudgery of the earth. Absolutely. Which, right. Yeah. Okay. I get it.
2: And that idea of choice, you can choose which threads you put into your tapestry and the idea that you are the creator of a tapestry is really important and empowering in that particular metaphor. And that's something that I would always credit to my mother who is a seamstress. So she does love to sew. So funnily enough, she comes up with a metaphor, perhaps not even noticing that she used it about life's, rich tapestry. Mm -hmm. So I would just like to say thanks mum for not only the clarity of message um, about the metaphor but also for actually opening the door for me to teach at the the British Army because she did one very important thing that I hope we can also talk about today which she asked a question and it's when we ask questions we open the doors to the unknown and to new experiences Um, So I think that is a really, really important thing. Asking questions and particularly inquiring around what the metaphors we use are can give us an enormous amount of self-understanding and understanding of others.
1: So let's go a little bit deeper because you're right. I want to see if we have time today to get into the, the question part. And let's first spend some more time on the metaphor. How would you define a metaphor?
2: A metaphor. Well, very simply, it comes from the Greek, metapherin, which means to carry over. And a metaphor is about is talking about one thing in terms of another. So the meaning is carried from something that we know and that's very familiar, often very concrete, to something that is unknown. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so uh,
1: in comparison to a simile, how,
2: yes. how, how are they sure. You're remembering, you're remembering English classes at school, aren't you? Where yeah. we all learnt what are the differences
1: between... I a crush on the teacher, what can I say? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, the metaphor really just removes the like. So if you remember, a simile says, Amy is like sunshine. A metaphor forgets the like and says, Amy is the sunshine. Mm-hmm. So to go back to that original metaphor that we were talking about. So in some ways, it's more powerful But in other ways, they're really talking about the same domain.
1: Okay. And do you have some examples of how people have used metaphor to better understand themselves?
2: Yes, absolutely. So just give a couple of examples uh, in a more generic sense. Um, when When we're learning something new, we often use the metaphor of food. So, for example, we chew over new suggestions. We digest New information. will swallow what people feed us. We can't wait to gobble up our latest episode on uh, a Netflix. That Too we're true.
1: so just think <laughs> binge. About I, I binge my yeah. There you
2: go. <laughs> there you go. You're getting into it. So so the idea of learning or ideas, we relate it to food. And so that's an example of how we're constantly using something we know, something that's actually very much related to the body to understand something that's more abstract ideas or knowledge or learning.
1: Is this why people get hungry when they study?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I haven't thought about that, but that's a great, a great question. <laughs> and
1: um, tell me more about the, now the connection. So that, that's a great example um, how widely are metaphors used um, and why are they used so much?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Really, metaphors are the stuff of thought before they are a poetic device. So most of us would think of metaphors typically as something we learned about at school, in poetry, and we might notice unusual metaphors, yet actually because we, they are the way that people think. Our conceptual system, our thinking system, is based on the use of metaphor. And so um, they aid understanding, they help us frame new issues, and they generate insight. And because they do all of those things, they influence not only the way that we think, but also the kind of action that we are going to take. And actually... They are used an enormous amount. Can you guess how many metaphors we might use in a minute?
1: In a minute,
2: um, two or three? No, up to six metaphors a minute. Oh my gosh! I know it's a lot, isn't it? That's extraordinary. Yeah, and of course, like I said earlier, they're they're sort of transparent to us. Right, we see them, and so we often don't notice how they could be powerful in terms of influencing action. So how can we
1: notice them more if we're not used to paying attention to them?
2: Well, would you like to have a, would you like to try something? We could, sure. perhaps, I could read you a paragraph and you can see if you can spot the metaphor.
1: Okay, great. Spot spot the metaphor, is that a? Spot no, the I'm, metaphor. <laughs> I'm getting paranoid. That's <laughs> is that a, that a metaphor?
2: Yeah, so this is, a, this is a couple of sentences from a book, a linguist um, at the Man- uh, Manchester University who wrote, wrote a book called The Unfolding of Language, Gaiduja. Okay. And this is, this, this is the sentence, a couple of sentences, listen to this. Okay. At the cabinet meeting, groundbreaking plans were put forward by the minister for tough new legislation to curb the power of the union's. It was clear that the unions would never go along with these suggestions, and the conflict erupted as soon as news of the plan was leaked to the press. At the trade union conference, the minister encountered a frosty reception.
1: Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I I heard a couple that were really obvious ones. I, I would count four or five, I would say.
2: Okay, so tell me what you heard in that, Amy.
1: Um, so the, what was the first one? Groundbreaking?
2: Absolutely.
1: Uh, there's yeah. another one, um, frosty at the end. Very good. Um, so read through them and I'll tell you if I...
2: Yeah, that's great. So the groundbreaking is something you tend to do with a shovel to dig the garden. It's not something you do with a plant. So groundbreaking plans. Okay. So they were put forward by the minister... Actually, that's a metaphor to put something forward because we actually that's a metaphor. And then, but for tough new legislation, mm-hmm. tough is a metaphor. Oh, Think about okay. that. Legislation isn't tough. Legislation isn't, isn't just legislation. I mean. But tough is something that's an attribute of meat or materials or fabrics or things like that. So it's not really... A word that we would use to describe legislation but because it's been used perhaps so often we we oversee that as a metaphor
1: okay what are some of the
2: other ones the curb the power of the unions
1: okay yep
2: yep so curbing in england we call the side the edge of the sidewalk is the curb same here yep yep same in the u.s okay mm-hmm. so that is not something that we use to prevent power mm. um and then you can say the conflict erupted eruptions are what volcanoes do and you're, and the plan was leaked to the press uh-huh. leak, but plans don't leak not completely okay, really okay, okay so you see in, in that short in that those short sentences they are jam packed with metaphors
1: wow that's wild and I'm curious to know um, other examples through real life situations. Uh, what are examples of metaphors that can cre- be problematic?
2: Can be problematic. Well, um, metaphors can be problematic when, for example, they they are very negative. As I suggested to you at the beginning, when we talked about Amy is sunshine, that's not problematic. But Amy's radio show is a dustbin. That's problematic because it's putting things in a very negative light. That's something that we really don't wish to be um, paying attention to.
1: So, what? Let me push back on this a minute. What if you needed to give me that feedback, that constructive feedback, that aside from the sunshine or not, there, you know, the there's an issue with, you know, you want to give me constructive feedback. How would you go about that um, to still achieve, you know, honest communication, perhaps without necessarily such a negative impact on the person?
2: Right. I think when, when to do that, I would, would try to avoid the use of a metaphor that has such a negative connotation. So, dust okay. has quite a negative connotation. Got it. Would you, would you agree with that? Absolutely, yeah. Right. If I said, "Oh, you know, I, I, I think it could be your your show could be more um, pointed, or it could be you, there could be more of a red thread m- metaphor." That would mm-hmm. be different from saying dustbin. So I think we often don't realise the power that the of the emotional reactions yes. that we have. With these particular metaphors,
1: mm-hmm. so you're, it's not to say I, you should avoid a metaphor when you're giving negative or constructive feedback. Just pay attention to the potential impact it has on the person hearing it, and absolutely. and perhaps either find a different metaphor that's more constructive and more useful, like the red thread, or it might be a moment where you you don't use a metaphor. Correct. Depending on mm-hmm, mm-hmm. absolutely, okay.
2: and the reason we don't really notice many of the of the metaphors is that they become so recycled and we become immune metaphor we become immune to the Mm -hmm. to their use Mm -hmm. and what about
1: metaphors when we I think a couple weeks ago we talked you mentioned something about um in when when you the newspapers are describing crime or activities like that
2: Yeah, that's a great point, Amy. Um, There's been some fantastic research done that shows that um, when crime is described as a wild animal, or when crime is described as a virus, people have different reactions to the severity of the punishment that should be enforced. So when, when Crime is described as a wild animal. People tend to be more lenient in their in their uh, more um, sorry more um, severe in their judgments of the of the um, action action yeah. But, and of course, that's because crime as an animal can be tamed, whereas viruses, as we know, too sadly from our current situation, cannot be tamed. So
1: it's more nebulous. So when it's more tangible, when it's and also there's something about a wild animal that um, creates almost more fear in us than perhaps a a virus, which is harder to grasp. And and so and, and I'm tying this to the, you know, in in the legal system where you're in a court of law and a lawyer is describing the Person's actions as you know that of a wild animal, that person is more likely going to get a more severe uh, penalty. Is what you're saying?
2: Absolutely, wow. that's exactly what I'm saying. So this is a really lovely example that the wild animal can be tamed, and um, and therefore it, but it needs to have a more severe. Uh, it can be controlled. Wild animals mm. can be controlled, and therefore we can control the punishment. Whereas as we're seeing. Now with COVID-19, the viruses cannot be controlled and that, that is leading to um, more nebulous con- consequences.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I can see how this can be used against people of color, for example, to, uh, for, and their impact is that they would get a more severe criminal uh, um, yeah, penalty and spend more time in prison because of the description. Wow, that's amazing. Before we go for break, did you say you had one more example of that?
2: Yes, you you just mentioned um, how metaphors can be used for people of different uh, races. Mm. After Hurricane Katrina, two almost identical pictures appeared in the press. And with a man of color, the, the caption was, man seen after looting grocery store. Wow. Whereas a white couple, the same similar image, They were seen as taking provisions from the grocery store. Just notice it's a very subtle change in language, but it has terrifyingly large consequences. Absolutely. So, it then unconsciously associates looting with people of colour and white people as being um, able to take provisions if they so wish. So, words frame what we see and then they frame how we act. And that's mm-hmm. a really important message, I think, for people to understand.
1: Absolutely. Listen, we're going to take a break now, Heather. And uh, listeners, if you want to find out more about Heather, you're going to want to find her on LinkedIn. And that's Heather, H-E-A-T-H-E-R, and her last name, C-A-I-R-N-S-Lee, L-E-E. When we come back from break, we're going to hear more from Heather about this metaphors and how they impact our leaders stay tuned you're listening to partner up with amy carroll on the voice america business channel
0: become our friend on facebook post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline visit facebook.com forward slash voice america do you have colleagues family members or neighbors that just drive you crazy sometimes do you occasionally find yourself feeling disrespected mistreated or annoyed by others. As a no-nonsense communication coach, trainer, speaker, and author, Amy Carroll may have a solution for you. For over 35 years, Amy has studied status and power dynamics, what sabotages relationships, results, and how to get desired outcomes in business and personal interactions. Make your partner look good is a philosophy from improvisational theatre, as well as Amy's favourite mantra. For the last 20 years she has been using her superhero powers to inspire individuals and multinationals around the globe to transform their communication and tap into their own partner powers with concrete behavior changes in voice body language words and attitude amy shows clients what to keep and what to change to get more of what you want more often with less hassle visit carolcoaching.com today that's c-a-r-r O L L You are listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. We want participation from you. Feel free to send an email to amy at carolcoaching.com. Now, back to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Here again is Amy.
1: Welcome back. Today I'm speaking with Dr. Heather Cansley, adjunct professor at IMD and a leadership development professional. We've been chatting about metaphors, the impact they have on our communication. Heather, what I'd like to do now is to go and take a deep dive into the impact using all your experience and knowledge of metaphors and leadership and what you have noticed and what your research has told you and what you would recommend for leaders.
2: Yes, absolutely, Amy. Um, So because metaphors are so prevalent in our language and our communication, of course, they are used substantially to understand the rather nebulous, uh, abstract idea of leadership. We ask, what is leadership? Many people have very differing answers. And that's really as, as it should be, because we all have our own ways of making sense of the world and making, making our own authentic meaning.
1: And let me interrupt if you can weave in some of your research, because I think that's really fascinating. Listeners might be interested in that.
2: Absolutely. So, my PhD research, um, I became really curious about it um, to understand how people make sense of themselves how leaders in particular make sense of themselves through attention to their own metaphors because often as we saw before the break metaphors are used all the time and often we are putting metaphors on other people but what is fascinating is if people actually leaders listen to their own metaphors what sense can they make of that so several findings were fascinating. Number one is that much of the literature around leadership uses the very um, old, established metaphor of leadership as the military. Mm-hmm. Think about that. That sure. military and warfare is something that people kind of been doing for a very long time, right? Um, so when, but when we use the metaphor of lead, uh, of um, The military, what does that do? Has a couple of implications. Number one, it tends to suggest that we are paying attention to a combative interaction. Another implication is that we metaphor of uh, the military tends to cut out women. Right. Women have not been as involved in warfare as men have in the past. And therefore, it's, a, it's an unconscious way of women being cut out of the um, role of leadership.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting. I don't know where this fits in. I'm, I, I guess this is a metaphor that I often hear leaders say, you know, we have a take no prisoners attitude. And that's always been horrifying for me to hear that because I'm guessing that that, as you said earlier with the example, that then you know it impacts our thinking, that impacts our actions. So people might act unethically or more um, more more competitively than necessary, or, or um, make more take more extreme measures that could cause all sorts of problems.
2: Absolutely, that you're absolutely spot on. You're you're a whiz at this, Amy. Thank you. Know, you. Really <laughs> noticing, noticing the impact that that uh, that um, metaphor can have. Yeah. Now, of course, that's not the only metaphor that's used, but it's it's typically right. used as our sports metaphors. Sports metaphors are used yes. substantially as well, and and a lot of feminist uh, writers would say that they also tend to um, exclude women because typically. It's, life is changing, but typically those have been that that has been a domain um, that has been typically in the male realm. Yeah. So choosing your metaphor is really important, and um, one of the ways that this is important for leaders is we all have what's called our own internal leadership theory. It's our sort of pet theory of what is leadership, and because it's kind of difficult to understand what that is using metaphors is a great way of understanding how we think about our own authentic view of leadership. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. So in your research, what have been some of the metaphors that these leaders have identified?
2: Yeah. Um, fascinating and very different metaphors. So some, some people have talked about being um, a chess player, for example. They are focusing on playing a game and understanding the tactics the moves the different pieces and how to play the game so metaphor of chess as a way of embodying their own leadership other other leaders have actually used the metaphor of energy To describe their leadership. So they talk about the fact that they are using energy, that they get filled up with energy, and that they pass that on to their people. Of course, in a positive way, that sounds very, very helpful if I pass on my positive energy to you. But of course, if we have a day when we're down in the dumps and our energy is low, then people with that kind of metaphor need to be much more attentive to not passing on that bad mood.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you help people first identify what their metaphor is for leadership. What is maybe the the benefits? What might be the the cost of having that kind of metaphor? And then what?
2: And then what? Well, that was the second question I asked in my PhD. Not only to understand what these metaphors are, but to say what does it make any difference knowing this? And yes, it does make a difference knowing this because what. The leaders in my PhD research said was that actually this gave them a sense of, them, of confidence and affirmation in themselves when they were taking up the leadership role. Mm-hmm. And if mm-hmm. you think about it, it makes sense. Today, so much leadership development occurs through 360-degree feedback. That's great when you want to have an understanding of yourself and how you're perceived by other people. It's super for understanding self-other comparisons. Mm -hmm. What it's not so great at doing is understanding what you think yourself in terms of how you take up the role of being a leader. And so it gives them a sense of internal confirmation about how they take up that role. Mm -hmm. And that's very important, Amy, because if you think about being in a leadership role, it's really about um, dealing with a lot of unknown situations. Think about the leaders in organizations today who are dealing with the uncertainty of COVID, the uncertainty of the impact that that has on their business, concerns about their own families. Having a sense of confidence in themselves is a really important aspect to being able to do a good job rather than constantly be looking for approval from other people.
1: Mm-hmm. So, having that self, that's the self knowledge, self awareness, greater emotional intelligence when we know ourselves more, how that impacts others. Um, and also, and I think I'm throwing out a metaphor to you, does it also offer them a guiding light at times when they're clear on what their metaphor is as a leader, then when it's time to make decisions or they have some kind of challenge in front of them, that it might be useful when they look at their metaphor to say, you know, what is the right next action? Is there, does it take, can you take it to that level?
2: Yeah, absolutely. You can take it to that level. And I love the metaphor, throwing, you know, a guiding light. This this really is a guiding light. And actually, without knowing my research, what you have um, identified is the big metaphor that people talked about when I asked them, what was the process like of actually understanding your own metaphors? And they used examples like, it's like having a guiding light. It's like knowing my inside, what I really think and feel. Mm. Another beautiful metaphor was, it's like going deep sea diving, deep sea fishing, where I fish down to find the treasure about myself that's normally hidden at the bottom of the sea.
1: Oh, gorgeous. And so
2: this is a way that people really can understand more how they are thinking about this important role.
1: Okay, so I, I have now two things I want to um, exploit your expertise on. Okay. <laughs> okay, one is I use, a, when I'm coaching people and I'm I often will say to them, when dealing with a predator, I want to help make you bulletproof meaning to protect them and keep them safe the problem is that word bulletproof brings up such a perception of aggression and and violence that i am often wondering how can i say that better or differently so knowing that i'm curious to know if you have a metaphor that could work as well as that one that yeah. had less violent
2: yeah well Fantastic observation. And this is one of the things I would love people listening to your show, Amy, to be able to do is to be able to notice a metaphor like that. Bulletproof. Okay. It comes from a place of wanting to protect people. Right. right. Keep them safe. That's fantastic. The dilemma comes when you when the association we have with bulletproof is what? It's Violence. combat. that. It's violence. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I'm hearing you saying you don't want. So right. I could give you a metaphor. I could say you want people to be able to bounce back, which is mm-hmm. that's a metaphor that we would use um, to think about resilience. But let mm-hmm. me ask you a question. When you want people to be safe and protected, yeah. that's like what? It's a metaphor like what?
1: Uh, that they, um ease comes to me uh, like water off a duck's back.
2: Uh-huh. Aha! Yeah, water off a duck's back. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a very different metaphor, isn't mm-hmm. it? And water off a duck's back is based on ease yes. and about n- about not resisting. I'm yeah, even making the hand movement as I'm right. <laughs> about yeah. the water flowing off the duck's back. Mm-hmm. It's like not resisting
1: and not needing to resist because they're safe and protected and they've got you know this skin that's going to naturally cause the water to dissipate and so they're uh, they're safe that that's it goes back to that
2: yeah that's fantastic
1: I also like your bounce back one because I'm a big fan of being light and gentle and playful and bounce back. And that's also could work for people as a sports metaphor. Um, so both of those work really well for me.
2: Absolutely. And I I can understand with your background in improv, bounce back might might have some resonance. uh, Also a metaphor, a musical metaphor, um, because bouncing back is really important when you're feeling a little bit shaken. But you see, what's important is I can offer you a metaphor, as I did. And what I think is even more empowering and powerful is to say, and when you want somebody to be safe and protected, That's like what? Mm -hmm. That's a fantastic question for asking you to think of a metaphor for yourself. Yes. So that's something that listeners can actually start to think about themselves if they want to come up with a metaphor to replace something that they have noticed is not as effective as it could be.
1: Okay. And repeat the question one more time you would ask. And that...
2: I would, I would, uh, I would repeat the words that you said are important. So you yeah. said to be safe and protected. And when you want to be safe and protected, that's like what?
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. And so you're pulling, in, or metaphor, yeah, a metaphor out of the other person.
2: Yeah. I'm um, and so it's in, from exactly. Moment. Or inviting it, saying, inviting you know, if you were to think of, it in slightly different terms, like what is really a bit going back to the mm-hmm. metaphor and simile of saying, you know, give me something that you know that describes ease and protect it. Mm-hmm. And that helps your brain to think, Oh, okay, what do I know that I can think of that fits that bill? And so you come up with your own metaphor.
1: Mm-hmm. So now I mentioned there was two things. The other thing that popped into my mind as you were talking about metaphors and how that impacts, um, it, it can inspire and drive leaders to be able to take right action or, or you know to know what's next. Next, my next question now. Is uh, um, what's coming up for me is that the idea of m- w- my life metaphor. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay, so uh, so I'll share with you, and then maybe we can explore this. You can ask me some questions. So a couple of years ago, I was visiting friends, and we have we were having a conversation about what what our themes are in life. And my friend's husband, it was something kind of morbid, like, um, you know, uh, uh, life is like a cliff, you know, you climb up to it, you slide off it and then you die. Or it was, uh, yeah, yeah. It wasn't something I remember precisely though. I remember it being sort of a bit morbid. And so then we were talking about what mine was and what I came up with Heather was uh, life is an adventure, Fantastic! Yeah. So, um, with that, if I so now, I know if that is my metaphor, what would I do with that?
2: Well, it, would you like to find out a bit more about that? Life is an adventure. Yes. Um, metaphor, because what we could do is I could ask you just a couple of questions to see what kind of adventure is that adventure when life is an adventure.
1: Um, it it is fun and exciting and playful and there's discovery and, uh, it's, um, there's movement and action. Uh, Um, yeah.
2: Wow. (laughs) And it's fun and exciting and action. Mm. Wow. And, and when it's exciting, what kind of exciting is that? Um,
1: There's learning, there's playfulness, there's surprise, there's gifts.
2: Um, Yeah. Ah, learning and surprises and gifts. Yeah. Ah, and gifts. What kind of gifts are those gifts when you get gifts?
1: Well, this radio show, this is an example um out of nowhere, last year, I got an email that said, would you like to host your own radio show? And I said, and because this has been a, a dream of mine for so long, I really thought someone was giving, you know, just teasing me and they were going to give me a hard time. Um, I didn't realize it was, it was Valid or, or it was off, what's the word I want? You know, that was a legitimate. It was real, it
2: was real. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. So that's an example, a concrete example of a, a gift.
2: Right. Yeah. Okay, and that's a concrete example of a gift. And when we were talking about your metaphor of life is an adventure, mm. you've got an adventure that's exciting and it's action-packed, and it's got gifts along the way with delightful treats like this This radio show. Mm-hmm. Just think about that as a metaphor. That can be very different. Somebody else could have life as an adventure, but they may have a very different kind of adventure to right. what you're talking about. It may be a bit scary. It may mm-hmm. not have mm-hmm. treats. The surprises may be rather difficult um, things to be avoided. So, how, where did you come up with that particular metaphor, Amy?
1: I suppose it was probably the influence probably came from my parents. My When I was eight years old, my mother went back to work. She took a job as an inner city school teacher in the Bronx with second graders who are also at the same age, eight years old. And she would bring me to school with her on occasion. And I had grown up in this very white suburb. So to be exposed to all these different nationalities and kids of different races and, and they were, you know, we were middle-class at least, you know, so, and they were poor. It was really like, it was mind boggling to, to see, wow, this is a whole nother world that I'm not familiar with. And my father he was had a job as director of YPO Young Presidents Organization. Okay, and so he got to travel around the world, and he would come back, Heather, from his trips. And I, you know, I was just a little kid, so all I cared about was the doll. He, you know, so I'd like rip open the suitcase and grab my doll from whatever country it was in, so they could meet the other dolls. And <laughs> and then that evening, uh, traditionally, we would sit down and have a slideshow. You remember those carousels? The
2: Yes, I remember well.
1: And inevitably, inevitably there would be cursing. Damn it, why does that get stuck? You know, my father offered me some colorful language at a young age. And so I would say those two things that came together, plus, my mother had a philosophy that uh, um, failure is an opportunity to learn. Mm-hmm. So that she that reduced a lot of fear of taking risks and the chance of making mistakes, and I see now Heather that these things have guided me for much of my life. And now I do it now that I had this, you know, it's labeled life as an adventure. I will sometimes make decisions like, do I want to do this? Oh, it's an adventure why not (laughs) probably learn something, probably have a lot of fun. And if I don't, and you know, it's like, if I don't have fun, at least I'll have learned something.
2: (laughs) Isn't that an amazingly beautiful philosophy to have in life. Life is an adventure. Yeah. Without too much, um, without being overcautious, without with that, you talk about being able to learn, being able to pick up delights and gifts along the way. It's fantastic. And, if you think about what I shared earlier, I had, the, I had this um, life's rich tapestry uh, metaphor from my mother where I'm constantly weaving my tapestry by, in some ways not so different from yours, um, by, by picking up new threads and weaving them in and seeing how they come together. So yeah. it's, it's really helpful to be able to think about how people are making sense of their lives, their leadership. Um, all sorts of things through exploring a bit further the metaphors that they use for these somewhat important but nebulous subjects like life or leadership or learning.
1: Yeah. Now, I know that we intended, we had big plans in this conversation, Heather, and (laughs) we really thought we were going to be able to talk all about this other fascinating concept of clean language, Correct. And time is not our friend today. We are out of time. So are you would you be happy to come back and join me again for another conversation so we can talk about clean language?
2: Amy, I would love to do that. Um, okay, later in the year would be fantastic. Um, I am currently editing a book on clean language interviewing, which is a relatively new field about asking questions with as few assumptions as possible so that people find out more about their metaphors, what they think, etc. cetera. So um, I would be absolutely delighted to come back and talk about that as the uh, late, as your schedule provides. Okay,
1: great. Let's do that because I think that's going to be fascinating for people. And with the, this, my next question for you before I let you go is what is one tip, one trick, one suggestion for listeners based on everything we've been talking about today?
2: Can I be greedy and have two? Go for it. Okay. So my my big request would be people start spotting your metaphors and those of other people, just like Amy and I did today. When you're reading the news, listening to the news, watching a film, talking with your partner or your friends, just start paying attention to the metaphors and getting curious about them. And then the second thing would be if you're curious about somebody's metaphor, you can ask "Hmm," in a curious frame and tone, of course, that's like what? Because that'll help people to discover more about their inner metaphors.
1: Beautiful. And that is also an example of clean language, clean questions, right? Cool.
2: Absolutely. Okay,
1: very good. And I would add to that to see if you can identify your metaphor for life. That might be cool for people.
2: Yeah, that would be cool and really, really um, fascinating. You know, if people are able to do that, Amy, I would love to hear from them. So maybe they can write to you or me with their Super. metaphors for life. That would be fabulous.
1: Okay, so that is my next call for action to listeners. Listeners, send me your the metaphors you come up with. Also send me your communication conundrums, clashes, challenges, mishaps, blunders, and successes. And you can do that either via my email, amy at com, or social media. And I'll be reading them and discussing them on future shows. And maybe when Heather comes back, we'll talk about some of them. You can connect with Heather on LinkedIn. For more information, just search her on Heather Lee, And that's H-E-A-T-H-E-R-C-A-I-R-N-S-L-E-E. If you are struggling with attaching from an outcome or your inner control freak sometimes gets you in trouble, you may want to tune in next week when I'm interviewing Dr. Rima Azam. She's a trained psychologist, educator, and coach, and we'll be talking about, she'll be talking about her experience being multilingual, multicultural, and how that's impacted the way she thinks and interacts in the world. In addition, Rima is going to be sharing insights for managing that inner control freak. Feel free to connect with me on my social media channels, Amy Carroll Coaching. And if you're ready to take your superhero partner powers into the next decade, join me on my, for one of my courses, my online leadership presence course. You can find out more about that on my website, carolcoaching.com. Heather, thank you. It's been a lovely conversation.
2: Thank you, Amy. I've really enjoyed it, playing with the metaphors. Thank you.
1: Pleasure. Thank you, listeners. You've been listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll on the Voice America Business Channel. Happy partnering, everyone.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Join Amy for another edition next Friday at 7 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Central European Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we speak again, make it a great week. And remember... Make your partner look good.